Welcome to episode number 14 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Today I'm talking with Charlotte in Los Angeles, California. Charlotte is an animal communicator and a medium, spending most of her time talking to horses. She grew up in the competitive show jumping circuit, taking significant time away from school to chase Olympic dreams. But before those came true, she found a deeper calling in bringing horses and their people closer together. Charlotte is the co-founder of Heart Horse, which is an online community and subscription box for people whose hearts belong to their horses. She is an advocate for rescuing horses, positive reinforcement training, and taking the time to constantly learn more about horses and what their lives mean so intertwined with ours. The simple idea for today's episode is to stay open to learning. Charlotte laughs that she knows this is kind of a cop-out, but she points out that being open allows us to be more available for making our horses' lives more fulfilled. And that's ultimately what we all want to do, right, Is, is fulfill the lives of animals that we share this planet with. So for today's show notes, which include a summary of our conversation, a video recording, and all of the important links, go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 14. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. The title of our talk today is talking to horses. And that is something that you do on, I would assume, a daily basis. And so I wondered if you can start off by telling us a little bit more about what you do. Definitely. So as an animal communicator and medium, um, so animal communication is working with animals who are present and living and mediumship is speaking with animals who are on the other side and are past. And those two things actually aren't that different, which is really cool. Um, But as an animal communicator, my job when I have a client is to receive everything the animal is sending to me and basically translate it into our language and try to stay out of the way really and not filter anything. That's the biggest problem I think most of us as animal communicators have is struggling with not inserting your own assumptions or judgments or thoughts. And sometimes the things that come to you that you think are the craziest and you're like, you know, I don't even wanna say that that's so out of left field. That's always what the person is like, wow, like, Yes, that's exactly right. So um, it's really just about trusting that the animal is telling you exactly what that person needs to hear. Mm. I I can imagine. I mean, I've only dabbled in it a little bit. And I know for me, I am always questioning my intuition when it comes through. And I think it's so funny that you say that. You're like the the most bizarre things that you you really like cringe and you don't even want to say are the ones that are like, oh yeah, completely makes sense. <laughs> it just blows my mind. 
Totally, totally. Yeah, that questioning is the part I think that we all need to practice the most is just to really step aside and just be confident and playful with it too. Mm, yeah, that's fun. I mean, what are some examples of ways that you'll help um, an animal, you know, let's, let's just go specific, a horse mm -hmm. connect with their person. What are some examples of when you would come in to, mm -hmm. to help? Yeah. So I, there's so many amazing ways that I get the opportunity to work with horses and their people. And a lot of them are either a new horse coming in and somebody wanting to know how they can best support them, get to know them better. Um, also horses in transition, if they're moving to a new location or adding another member to the family. Um, also, quite often, um, animal communication is about helping animals who are experiencing pain and pinpointing what's going on. And sometimes the animals even have ideas about how best that can be treated or supported by their person. So that's really exciting to me to be able to directly support their well-being. But it all is, even if it's just sharing, you know, sweet stories about what they're up to lately. Um, and a lot of times too, working with animals who, especially with adopted horses, um, learning more about their pasts. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, it's interesting because it's all of these questions that I think as humans, we have, you know, any rescued animal, you kind of wonder, what have you been through? What's going on? How do I make things more comfortable for you. And then when you see your animal in pain, I mean, Cusco, um, our dog has actually been doing better now, but you know, he, he was limping for a while about a month and a half ago. And, you know, you just kind of like, what's going on? It wasn't a constant limp. So it wasn't an injury, but you know, you're, you're kind of like, what's going on? Do you need some help? Are you just getting older? Like, what can we do to help you? So I feel like, um, being able to communicate with the animal and asking them what would facilitate the process of them being more comfortable just seems, um, like an incredible skill to have. Yeah. It's so, it's so useful. And in my own experience, you know, now that I've been practicing it, I see how, underutilized it was in my own relationships with the animals in the past because as someone who has gotten readings from other people before i usually always used it either as something at end of life or when they've already passed mm -hmm. and so much comes through that um you know i would have wished i had known sooner and been able to you know, whether it's helping them with something or just appreciating something about them. And, you know, there's no wrong time to do it. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's, I can, I can see how it's, you could feel that oh, all these years, like all these experiences that have happened, I wish I could have, you know, had this skill set then. And I feel like now you've been able to build a community around people who really love horses. And does this um, ability to communicate and include the horse in the process of problem solving, is that something that plays into your community and that you've been able to share with other people? by building part mm, horse? That's a really great question. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, animal communication, even for 
the deepest animal lovers for all of us for some people it's still going to be something that it takes them a while to wrap their heads around but something that I love about being in this community is the breadth of um, people who are showing up and there's people who are well versed in it and I can be really open with them and there's other people that um, you know it's more about meeting each other where we are and where we can have those conversations and realizing that at the end of the day, we all want the same thing for the animals and for our horses, um, which is their happiness. And so there's there's a lot of people, I've actually had some of our members of our community schedule sessions with me, which has been so sweet. And it's so interesting to see where people who are really invested on this soul level with their horses, um, what they're interested in knowing about them and what their horses share about them or about themselves. And I think really the underlying um, tie that holds us all together there is realizing that all horses have so much to share with us and they really are such incredible teachers and just staying open to the ways that that information can be received. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I love what I feel like you're saying, which is the community is extremely diverse in the way that they kind of view their lives with horses. And so that brings constant learning from each other on all these different approaches that could be taken, I think, with your own horse. Yes, so well said. That's one of the things we really were dedicated to with this community was having it be outside of any specific training method or discipline. And it's really just about the relationship with your horse. And we all have that no matter where we're coming from. So in the in the equestrian world, so so many experiences that people have, myself included, is very delineated and there isn't a lot of crossover. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because there's so much to learn from every person and even just meeting one other person where you can really share your experiences with your horse. Um, it's, it's like getting to learn double, you know? Oh, I love that. I love it. Um, if, if somebody is listening and they have a horse or they want to do something to help horses, what one simple idea would you give to them for how they could make a difference or help? Mm -hmm. So I have a really simple but super powerful one, which is to be open to educating yourself further. I think that's one of the ones that, um, you know, it's almost like an annoying answer. Like, yeah, of course, <laughs> I, of course that, you know, but for me, time and time again, in my own experience, that's what I've returned to is remembering that I don't know everything, even if I've had horses in my life, my entire life, and I see them every single day, that there's someone out there researching something that I didn't know about, or maybe it's watching a documentary and seeing how wild horses interact and how similar your horse is to their ancestors. And there's so many ways that we can expand our relationship with them. And there's so much new science. That's something that's huge with horses specifically compared to other animals I work with is that, um, there's so much tradition steeped in how we interact with them, which is so beautiful, but also it can hinder our growth with them because there's so much new information coming through all the time, but it's not always 
as accessible or promoted within the horse communities. They really can be insular. So being open to learning from people besides just one trainer or one philosophy, um, going and looking at science, that's huge. Mm, what are your favorite places to get that information? Are there journals? Um, is there online? I guess you guys are probably sharing a good amount of it in Heart Horse. Definitely. Yeah, we definitely share that. I, you know, one of the best places that I've found as much as it's, uh, you know, it can be very hit or miss, but Instagram has an amazing, amazing amount of people who are working with horses who are experimenting, trying new things, sharing in really raw and open ways. Um, People sharing breaking research and it's all free. So that's definitely my first place to check it out is, um, you know, you could look under hashtags of equine science or um, positive reinforcement training or so many, so many, I'll give you some for your show notes if you want, but there's so many people um, on there, whether they're horse trainers or just someone who has horses. Like some of the people that I love to look to the most are people who just really strike a chord in me. Um, you know, there's someone I found that lives in Sweden and has a herd of horses and sleds with dogs. And I just love seeing how their lifestyle with their horses is informed by the nature around them. And there's so many unique people to learn from. And I think, again, going back to diversity, not just looking at people who have show jumping horses or just Western horses or just one breed of horse or just one way we keep them and really letting yourself see what's out there. There's, it's such a bigger world and so many more possibilities than I ever could have imagined. That's, I, I love that your idea there is Instagram to find more information because it really does allow um, every individual to come through with all of their different situations. And, you know, like you said, Instagram's been kind of cool because you kind of start to feel like you really know people, even though, um, you know, maybe you don't. <laughs> it's like maybe they live in Sweden, yet you feel like you're right there on the farm with them. You know, it's um, it's really, really interesting and really um i feel like such a helpful tool in such an easy way so for sure i want to get those hashtags from you or any accounts and we'll put them in the show notes for people to give them awesome to start um so let's talk a little bit you have you've alluded to it a little but you grew up with horses and mm-hmm. um very much in kind of a competition circuit almost well, I, I think you were even thinking about going to the Olympics, right? Or competing for the Olympics. And so you were very, very invested in yeah. horses and oh, in yeah. competition. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in that? Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really um a really unique way to be a teenager. And I mean, I started before. I started spending time with horses and riding lessons when I was four years old. And that was all I wanted to do from then on. And all my earliest drawings are just endless horses. So (laughs) it it was really in there already from wherever that came from. But um, 
Yeah, I really, I grew up on the East Coast and a lot of the places that I grew up in, the predominant discipline of riding was English and specifically show jumping. So that's what I really focused on and fell into. And I became obsessed, immersed, like nothing else mattered at all. And yeah, by the time I was in high school, I was on a really competitive track. I was actually taking off school in the wintertime um, to follow the show circuit that would be in Florida. And they would have a little trailer on the showgrounds where people of all ages would go and our schools would send our schoolwork down and we would do our homework and stuff in there um, in between riding and competing. And then I would spend my summers um, competing all over the US and in Canada too. And I was really, really driven and had this really clear vision of the Olympics being the peak of this um, this path I was on. And I worked with um, I worked as a working student for my trainer for a while. So I was working all of her Grand Prix courses and she was also trying out for the Olympics. So it got pretty close. <laughs> and yeah, and doing that. Being in that world um, was amazing for so many reasons and complicated for so many reasons. And the most valuable thing I got out of it really was just, um, oh gosh, so much really now that I say that. But <laughs> I will say, like, just knowing that spending time with horses and was my absolute passion. And that's something I'm so grateful for is that I've always known that from a really early age. Um, and there's been times in my life where I haven't been able to be with them on a regular basis. And I have felt it really hard. And so I'm grateful I've been able to spend so much of my life so close to the thing that lights me up the most. Oh, yeah, that's that's amazing. And to your point, to have found that at such a young age is is really lucky. And then to take time away from kind of like the regular mainstream schooling and to spend even more time with them is, is really, yeah, such a, um, a blessing, huh? Like a, a universal gift to just have so much Seriously. time. Yes. And high school is so hard as it is. So I was so happy to take that time away. And, um, I remember at the, at my graduation from high school, our student speaker valedictorian, even, name called me <laughs> saying, you know, trying to make a joke and was like, well, if we added up all the days Charlotte actually went to school, oh, no. she'd still be a freshman. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, meanwhile, I got to spend all those days with horses and exactly. it framed your exactly. life. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it was really cool too, to get to Again, like going back to diversity, I was spending so much time with people of all ages from all different countries. Um, so it was a really different experience than I would have gotten if I was just in the one place every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I wonder how much of your ability to communicate so deeply with horses now has to do with spending so much time with them growing up. You know, you you have to have spent more time than the average person with horses in your life. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think that often now when I'm trying to tap into those parts of myself that 
really are the strongest in animal communication it is that child self and that unafraid and just knowing the truth and listening and being excited and not bringing in um you know what yeah. worrying about how we're being perceived is huge and yeah. so definitely i try to connect to that you know that child who knew and just was drawn and just remember what that feels like Mm, yeah, I can picture you just as the little girl out there with the horses, you know, and and like you said, there's so much in our lives that if we could just tap into that child within us that doesn't worry about what everybody says, doesn't worry about what everyone else is doing, is just especially that intense focus one-on-one with an animal or with a horse, I just feel like there's so much value that comes into our life when we're able to create that experience for ourselves and for that animal. And um, I know I don't do it anywhere near enough, but it really does seem like you've found a way to bring that more and more into your life. And you know, now you have Salem. So, um, so Charlotte rescued a horse and I, that's about all I know about it. So I'm going <laughs> to let you tell us yeah. all about him and all about um, where you found him and about your life with him now. Yes, I would love to tell you about Salem. So actually, Salem's a girl, but I oh, misled. Sorry. It's okay. I, I, I misled you. I meant to ask you. <laughs> no, it's okay. The name is definitely traditionally, you know, that beautiful black boy cat, and I just loved it so much. It was so right for her, and you know, actually, Salem chose her own name. Um, I communicated with her and we went through tons of different names and that was the one that she chose. So <laughs> describe that process to me. So yeah. you, then you went through tons of different names. So did you offer up names to her? How, yes. how did that work? So I offered up a bunch of names to her. I had, I was keeping lists for days and sometimes just sort of doing automatic writing, just seeing what came out when I would put pen to paper and I had compiled this huge list. And then when I really felt like there were some strong options there, um, you know, but if she had said no to all of them, then back to the drawing board. But there was this one that really stood out that, um, so basically I just relayed all the names to her and then allowed her to let me know what her feeling was about it. Okay. And you could feel like when she felt stronger or happier, Around yes. Salem. Yes. Around Salem was like, um, so it was almost like something like a plain piece of paper, all of a sudden being lit up with like gold swirls and stuff like just totally, um, full of intricacies in a way that felt really true to her. Mm. I love you're describing that because I wonder how often in all of our lives we have experiences like that where we actually could be communicating with an animal or even communicating with our higher selves or our inner selves in the world by recognizing something subtle like 
um, and maybe you're not saying it's subtle, but you know, something subtle, like the change in the feeling being more excited and mm -hmm. allowing that to be answers to us as to where we should go with the next step or the next decision we're making. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel very, like, yeah, we you're could so all right about that. Yes. You're so on point with that. And, you know, I'm such a firm believer that we all, can be animal communicators. We can, we all can be there. There's nothing, you know, I wasn't, yes, I was, came into this world with this huge love of horses that couldn't be denied, but we all have the ability to be connected with animals. And especially for those of us who are drawn to animals in the first place at all, I think you're hugely predisposed to be able to communicate with them. And it's really a matter of practicing and being open to it. I think we're doing it all the time. And animals certainly know that we're doing it all the time. As far as they're concerned, we're just like projecting constantly. <laughs> and we're the ones who are not listening. Uh -huh. but, but we're doing it all the time. And sometimes it is really subtle. And before you really are practicing it and feeling it for yourself that you can say, ah, oh, that's that feels like it is very, very subtle. And probably you're already doing it all the time without even knowing it's like processing through your subconscious. Mm, mm. I'm sure. I'm sure it's, it, it's, um, I feel like probably not even probably it's probably, it is actually happening and just how can we, um, quiet ourselves, I think, and tune into it a little bit more. Um, do you want to share where you learned or any resources? Yeah. For oh, absolutely. I had a wonderful mentor that I recommend to anyone. Her name is Taya Strom and her website is Taya, T-H-E-A, healer.com. And she is phenomenal. I actually connected with her through Sarah. And so um, she had given a talk for our Reiki organization and I loved what she had to say and I was so curious to learn more. And she just has such a gift for teaching that um, that's something I can't say we all have. I don't always feel that I would be able to do the same, do it the same way she does. Um, but I do think all of us can communicate and she does an incredible job of making that really accessible and really clear. And a huge part of that is giving people, myself included, the space to be wrong. You know, when you're really in this safe container that she's able to create where you can just say whatever comes up and not be worried that it's your friend's animal and you're telling them the wrong thing or you're going to affect their life somehow. It's, it's really just relieving yourself of the pressure that allows you to get into that space where you can really learn. And once you're like on that track and once you just have the feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm already doing it. It's so exciting. I hope, I hope some of the people listening will give it a try because it really is just a dream come true. It's what, that's what I, as a little girl, wanted. I think a lot of the rest of us want that, too. And it's totally, totally possible. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because how often I find myself looking at an animal, especially, you know, um, when I was working with them, <clears throat> sorry, at the shelter 
and you, you just wish you could talk to them so badly, you know? And I do think like you're saying, there are so many situations in life where we see an animal that we feel like they're in distress and to have that skill to be able to at least understand a little bit better what might be happening. Like you said, it's almost this, um, uh, I, I want to say magical, but it's not magical. It's real. <laughs> like this, yes. this just ability to do that. And I do hope people will check out Taya's class and I'll link to that in the show notes. And you also mentioned Sarah, which is Shelter Animal Reiki Association, which I'll also link to in the show notes. Um, that's how Charlotte and I know each other. We met at teacher training a couple years ago within that organization, which is also an incredible organization. So we'll link to all of those. Um, let's talk a little bit about rescuing horses. Um, yes. Where did Salem come from and why do horses need rescued and where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. Really great question. So starting with Salem, she came from a rescue that's called a little rescue in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> and I can't recommend them enough if you're interested in adopting a horse or volunteering and just spending more time with horses. It's a fabulous place to be in Southern California. And what they do is so, so special because they, their name is so true. It is really small. They only have as many horses as they feel they can really give 110% to. And I admire that so much because something that happens so often in rescue is we can't help but be these tender hearts and want to bring in everybody, but that can really backfire. And that's actually how Salem ended up at that rescue. She was at another rescue that went under um, for a lot of really sad reasons. And it's really common, unfortunately. And so I love, I love when a rescue is really sets their boundaries for themselves. I think that's one of the things that can be really hard when we want to help animals is giving ourselves parameters as to what we're really capable of doing. And so with the horses, like horses in general that need rescuing, you know, even with all my time with horses in the competitive world, it's really, really common to buy and sell horses. Um, you know, you'll have a horse for a certain level and then you pass it off to someone who's moving up to that level and you will find another horse for the next one. And I had no idea how many horses get passed through so many homes. And even, even if they were a champion dozens of times, they can just as easily end up in an auction as any other horse, and they often, often do. Um, I think something, uh, horses have an average of seven to eight homes in their lifetime. Yeah, so it's a huge difference between the way that we deal with cats and dogs, you know, <laughs> but they, yeah, a lot of times, and then between all those homes, we're asking them to do drastically different things, and. Uh, they are herd animals. We're often asking them to live alone. Uh, so there's just a lot of reasons the way that we interact with horses and the expectations we have for them don't actually match up with what they're able to give us and what their what species appropriate for them. So then a lot of behavioral issues come up and we can't solve them because we're not 
really looking at how we can help them in a way that's not just convenient to us as humans. And so, so many horses end up at auctions. It's, it's staggering. Wow. And, and so when they're at an auction, who's buying them at the auction? The majority of the people at the auction buying are kill buyers who are buying them and selling them to Canada and Mexico for meat. Meat. Okay. For meat. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Yep. And okay. then the other people that will be at a rescue, I mean, sometimes there's going to be, or I mean an auction, sorry. Sometimes there's going to be a family there, but kind of rare um, to go straight to the auction to look for your horse. Um, it's usually going to be kill buyers or rescues. Okay. All right. So if you're buying within the circuit, it's, it's just more like private deals happening. People are just kind of buying from each other. Yes. Yes. So people will, um, exactly do that. Just list horses for sale either on their websites and, um, or yeah, sometimes people will make an offer on a horse who's not even for sale. And then that's how that will happen too. Wow. I mean, yeah. I guess just, just definitely, um, seen as property, right? So it's just kind yes. of, yeah. It's very yeah. different. Like the, yeah, the finances involved with horses at that level, brings a whole world of complications to the horses' lives. And as far as they're concerned, there's no difference between whether they're $100,000 or $25 at the auction. And the same horse can be both in their lifetime. Um, and that's something I wish I had known sooner when I was in a competitive world. There was really this expectation that a certain type of horse costs a certain amount. And that's just absolutely not true. There are so many incredible and capable horses that are available for adoption. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Are these rescues all over the world, mostly just in the U.S.? Yeah, all over the world. There are horse okay. rescues, small ones, huge ones. Uh, you can even go to specific ones that are just rescuing Mustangs or just rescuing quarter horses. So you can really... Um, you know, it's unfortunate not, there's not a ton on places like Pet Finder, but like you can get that specific, you know? Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, the internet certainly helps a lot, I suppose, with Google. You know, if, if you start searching horse res rescues, I am sure you can yes. start to find. Yes, definitely. Just Googling is the best way. And that's how mm -hmm. I found a lot of the ones that I know about or have volunteered at. And, you know, you can also think about what you're goals are with this horse or what your wishes are. And you could find somebody who's rehabilitating horses and specifically to help them go to where you want to be. You know, you don't always have to have, it's not this image of a completely untrained horse or a dangerous horse or any of that. Mm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, the familiarity I've had with rescue horses are usually, you know, um, wild horses. And, you know, you you see um, documentaries or movies or things that, that are talking about, you know, trying to train wild horses. And so I just kind of always assumed, okay, it's the wild horses that, that are in the rescues. And then that's a an in-between period you need to go through helping them to become a horse that you can just ride in your regular everyday right. life. Yeah. Well, the wild horses, yeah, you're, t you're definitely not wrong there. And there are so, so many, like if everybody who loved horses could have a Mustang, we wouldn't have this huge problem of just 
thousands of them sitting and holding pens in, all over the country, just waiting for nothing pretty much. Um, so really like valuing these horses that are indigenous to our country and um, have so much to offer and are super versatile. Um, but I mean, there's so many politics around that and it would be best for them if they could just stay wild. But um, it is definitely uh, really awesome if you have the ability to do that. I unfortunately, you can get a Mustang at all different um, levels. So you could have one that's already saddle trained, but if you do want a wild horse right off the range, you do have to have some specific setups for them um, that the government requires you to have before you can adopt them. Oh, well, I mean, I suppose that seems good that there yeah. are <laughs> some stipulations there. Yes, yes, there are. That's good, that's good. Um, Let's finish up talking about Heart Horse a little bit more. Um, you you kind of told me a high level of what it is. If for someone who, um, is it for just anyone who is interested in horses? Is it more so for people who have horses? Mm. And um, what can people find there? So it's definitely geared towards people who have horses, but you absolutely don't have to have a horse in your life right now uh, to be a part of it. And all experience levels are welcome, even if you just feel the call and wanna know more about horses and talk to people who wanna talk about horses all day, that's definitely the right place to be. And so if you were thinking about joining Heart Horse and you were just showing up for your first moment, what that would look like is our online community is hosted on a completely exclusive platform that's not dissimilar in layout to Facebook, but you're not getting distractions and ads and all these other things. And there's no algorithm. You're really just seeing chronologically what everybody is posting. And then on besides the main activity feed, that's the most similar to that. Uh, we also have spaces that are topic specific. So if you wanted to ask a question about keeping in care for your horse, you could voice it there and the whole community could come and support you and offer their insights and their experiences with that. Um, there's also places just for exploration. I have, I host the Woo Corner so we can talk about <laughs> all the stuff that's in that beautiful murky in between and the things that you're picking up on and wondering about and dreams you've had and all that stuff that sometimes you don't have anyone to talk to it about. And it's so beautiful to realize that there's all these other people that are having these experiences too. Um, and then we also do monthly courses. So we pick a theme every month and then we do a course around that that is self-paced. So you can drop in and do at any time and then you can chat with other people about how it's going and then we also do a bunch of live events um, both just community meetings and also hosting equine experts and other professionals actually outside of the equine industry that we feel have something to share that would be beneficial for us because I think there's so much um, outside of that bubble that we can really gain by bringing it into the horse world. So we like to play around a lot with that. So that's really what you're getting in the community is access to this place where you can feel like free to explore with abandon and also receive information 
at your leisure and um, show up and really have friends. You know, that was something that for me, especially in a competitive environment, was really hard to keep and feel um, feel a lot of honesty in my friendships. And so Heart Horse for me has brought me the most horse friends I've ever had in my whole life. Oh, that's amazing. And I can see why people would want to be a part of it. You know, I mean, I'm not around horses at all. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think um, it's going to be, I'm sure it's, it's already a great source, great resource and will continue to be such a great resource for people. And I'm excited for anyone listening that goes and checks it out and um, tries it out. And the best place to find you would be um, on Instagram or the website? Yeah, both. So our Instagram is hearthorsebox. We also have a box aspect that I didn't mention yet. But then also the website is hearthorsebox.com. And the box is, um, we're about to move into a new format. So it's going to be every other month. Um, You have the option. You can either just join the community, which is awesome. Um, And it's month to month, so very flexible. Or if you want to, you can add on receiving a box every other month, which is filled mostly with products that we've curated or made ourselves that are to support you. Um, One of the things that I've found deeply true as an equestrian is that, and I'm sure many animal lovers feel this way, is that we often give to everyone around us and don't fill our own cups up enough. Mm-hmm. And so the box is both a tangible representation of the community and a way to really feel connected in a physical way and also a way to support horse lovers with things that really will just like brighten your day, something you and your horse can use together. You know, one of our signature box, we made our own tea that is um, for horses and humans to share. So you could share a cup of tea or the horse, you could just feed your horse the herbs, but being able to create these experiences that deepen your relationship, that you can eat the same thing and know just what that tastes like and maybe create a little ritual out of having a tea time once a week with your horse and really just spending some quality time. Um, Most of the things that we come up with are really a jumping off point for people to be able to experiment with deepening that bond. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's so unique and so creative. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and for chatting with me about all of these things going on with your life and, and all of the stuff that, um, all of the wisdom I feel like that you have around horses that you can share with everybody else. I'm really excited for people who listen to this and it resonates and they're able to find their way to your community or to animal communication or to a rescue horse. Um, there's just so many good nuggets in this conversation. So thank you for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me, Brandy. This has been so much fun to talk with your audience and also catch up with you. And there's nothing I like more than talking about horses. So if anybody ever just wants to chat about it or you have any questions, really feel free to reach out. I'm very available for that. 
And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.